Greetings, Earthlings. I'm not going to face it alone because the show must go on. Thanks for tuning into Seaside Pod Review, a podcast about the music of Queen. My name is Randy, and I'm the local hoser. That guy is Kevin, our transplanted poser. And once a week, we'll gather to discuss our scientifically-based opinions on random songs from the catalog of one of the most eclectic rock bands in history. Brand new angle, highly commendable. Seaside Pod Review. I'm not giving you a kiss. So we're in episode six, Randy. Episode six starts right now. How do you feel about that? Do you think we should start episode six right now? Is that what you're saying? I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And we should tell people again, we should remind people the, the format of this show is we have the entire Queen catalogue loaded on, well, minus any instrumentals and not including stuff that was recorded yep. without Freddie. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because some of uh, heaven, uh, Made in Heaven was. But anyways, we've got them all loaded onto a big wheel that we spin around, um, and then we just get a random track, and we sit and we listen to it, and we talk about it. And uh, you people who are listening to this right now, listen to the inane ramblings of two middle-aged men from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, <laughs> for some fucking reason, which I can't fathom. <laughs> Yeah. That about sums it up, hey? I think you really hit the nail on the head there, Kevin. And you um I I, I believe, Mr. Woods, you had a you had a band practice tonight. I had a rehearsal tonight. Yes, I did. So uh and I haven't sang for quite some time, so I feel like my voice is a little uh scratchy. How long was your practice? Uh oh, short. A couple hours. Should tell our listeners listeners what's the name of this band that you have going on. Because I do like I do like the name of the band. Uh this band is uh, a band uh, called Absolutely. We were around for about twelve years, and we took a little uh, hiatus, and we're firing it back up. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited too. We play mostly death metal and screamo, <laughs> as the name would imply. <laughs> as the name would imply. No, no, no. We're a funk reggae R and B band. Yeah, that's good stuff too. So. I should, I should, I'll tweet out. I'll tweet out a couple of songs of uh, Mr. Woods' band. That will be grand. Sure, yeah. Tweet out some uh, some of the originals. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out, Randy, before we start to my mum. And I know that she actually listens to this podcast. Um, she's a huge Queen fan as well. And one of the reasons that I'm a big fan, because both her and my dad listened to Queen lots when I was growing up. Um, and when, when he died, my mum was the first person who called me to ask me if I was okay. So... Oh, so she, yeah, she was looking after me. Even when I was 18, 19, well, geez, when I'm 40, 48, 49, when I'm 75, I'm sure she'll still be looking after me. So, Hello from Saskatoon, Kevin's mom. You'll be happy to know that it is minus 35 or something outside it's right now. So disgusting out there at the moment, yeah. What is that? Oh, yeah, 23, what is it with the wind? What are we with the wind? Oh, wind 28 with the wind, children. Don't exaggerate, Randy. It's a, it's a balmy minus 28 with the wind. Oh, okay. Sorry. T-shirt yeah, weather. Exaggerating. Minus twenty-nine in the wind. Minus twenty-three, and that's Celsius for uh, anybody that was thinking it was Fahrenheit. I'll tell you what, it's cold in Fahrenheit, and it's fucking cold in Celsius too. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, minus nine point four Fahrenheit. <laughs> uh, in in English Celsius, that's minus. Fuck off. That's <laughs> minus. Fucking go to hell. 
Yeah. But it's, it's a dry cold, Randy, remember? It's a dry yeah, cold. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and you know what, Kevin? There's some truth to that. Uh, I, uh, in my acoustic guitars, I keep a uh, little damp. Uh, There's actually a little thing that's made to, you put a little sponge in and it keeps your acoustic guitars from drying out in this. In this oh, cool. There. Oh, good to yeah. know. And, yeah. And then don't have, really have to do it in the summer, but in the winter, yeah, it just all the uh, liquid in the air is gone. I see uh, you're bringing up some tweets, Mr. Brown. Yeah. Should we go through some of those? Yeah. Yeah, so our buddies in Australia, Queen Rocks, I think the cross version is better produced, and I prefer Freddie's vocal to Roger's, but the solo and last verse in Queen's version sounds like true classic Queen and contains the best vocals and the lyrics in the song, in my opinion, perhaps a biblical reference to the 10th station of the cross. Now, not being a card-carrying um, avid Bible reader, Randy, mm-hmm. I won't be able to comment on that, <laughs> but we will take we'll take their word for it. Now, Alice's dad, this I think a new first time caller. I think um, mm. I actually enjoy it for what it is. Not the best song on the album, but still a decent song. And I think you know as we get into this, you will hear more and more about people liking the Crosses version. And then yeah, so Leighton Brown just listen to the app. And as a card carrying unashamed Roger Taylor fanboy, I tend to overlook his dodgy lyrics most of the time. What grates with me about this version is how they've taken a light, crisp, beautifully produced pop song and turned it into a leaden plodder, which you completely agreed with on Twitter. Yeah, well, and I really like uh, I really like the term leaden plotter, and I may use it uh, in my, my, I might add it to my, my your lexicon. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> when someone comes in, when you're producing, and someone comes in with a song, well, yeah. you know, it's okay. It's a bit of yeah. a leaden plotter, but you know, a bit of a leaden plotter that one. Let's uh, let's see if we can let's see if we can do to fix that up. Uh, Stuart Charlesworth, it's not the best, but I don't hate it. Remember it growing on me when the album came out. Nowadays, I see the limitations of that album more, but I'm still fond of it as a whole. Freddie's vocal does a lot of heavy lifting, and that's oh, yeah. 100% true on that song. Yeah, he's yeah nailed it. Yeah. Um, we got a new listener at H Patch Kit. Paul um, says, the first of the pods I've listened to, most enjoyable. Thank you very much. Uh, and he thinks it's Peter Noon, the cross bassist, doing the spoken word intro, which I thought it was Roger, which I think I said on the episode. Um, and so yeah, so the Freddie was on the album version, and then and again, it's so strange that they would have released a version, two different versions with different lead singers, one in the US and one in in Europe. So, I don't really, yeah. I'd love to know why that would be. That's kind of an odd, that is an odd thing. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So, the poll, yes, wasn't a big surprise to me. Maybe I thought that it would be a little bit more heavily weighted one way than the other. Yeah, but I wasn't surprised that most people agreed with us. It was two thirds to one third, basically. Um, bites the dust versus it being one of the champions. And our friend PJ New Mercury says it's not the worst Queen song, but it's nowhere near top tier, like <laughs> like mediocre in heaven. There you um, go. <laughs> if I had to choose a top fifty of Queen songs, it wouldn't make it so biting the dust. And that's a good way to think of it too, right? So to think of the top half and the bottom half, and that might be a way you want to do it too. Yeah. Um, our partner Joe uh, from Lap of the Pods says it's not terrible, but not good either. It's like if we went to Disney, too sappy and polished, which is what we were talking about offline, right? It's just, and like you said, so we don't, you don't love that term overproduced because if something's produced well, it's produced well, and however much production there is, is enough. But this one just, it's, they've like, it's like they've taken a bastard file and taken all the rough edges off completely. So it's this smooth, just, I don't know, it's kind of flaccid yeah. and, you know. Yeah, so before we uh, came on here tonight, I'm not sure if you did, Kev, but I listened to The Cross, both versions with Roger singing and with Freddie singing. And I got to say, uh, the, the the version of The Cross with Freddie singing is, by, in my opinion, is by far the superior version. Uh, it, it To me, it far outshadows the Queen version. 
and and maybe just because it doesn't have that sappy drippy keyboard which you know maybe could work in in certain situations but i just don't think it works there uh and, and it just it just has it just has more i don't know it just has more more feel it it's it sound the production does sound better and it looks like that's what most people on twitter are, are saying too so I think so too. Yeah, Richard Hearn even says I think I think I'm in the minority on this one as I do like it, but I'm scoring based on the superior cross version. Though still the one with ready singing, because I think the verses are great. It's a sentimental choice, but I've always liked Shove It. I think I'd even said that on the episode that I was a little bit disappointed with how little sort of sentimental attachment I ended up having to that song. Cause I thought that I would be a little I thought I would be a bit more forgiving of it because of what I remember about that album. Cause I have the same yeah. memories of Shove It. I loved that album when it came out because it was Roger and it was new and it was something different. It wasn't Queen. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. So Rob Hatton says, I'm struggling with this one. It's in the no man's land between like and dislike. I guess I'll have to toughen up and vote Bites the Dust, but with reluctance. There's parts of the song that I like and there's also nostalgia of when I first heard the track, uh, first heard a new track as a proper fan. Yeah. Um, says, and it goes on to say, it's certainly no one near a top 50 track, so I guess that should rule really out like being labeled champion. So, Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> then, so Samphony. Um, at Samphony, Sam agrees with me. Stripped and torn and shown no pity with the excruciating pronunciation, pity, the most leather-slappingly <laughs> shoe-horned lyric in the entire Queen catalogue. Then he says, it must die, it must die, it must die. Which then got into a great little riff on, you know, what about Serengeti? And the oh, yeah, yeah, of course. yeah, People yeah. riffing on that, which, you know... And well, Sun City, which we'll get into as well. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that was was great. So, well, you know, and and, and as and as someone who occasionally writes lyrics, I've written some good ones, and I think, and I've written some bad ones. Surely, sometimes you do kind of have to like shoehorn some some lyrics. In. <laughs> <laughs> but that is that is pretty funny. Dieter, my chameleon days says this one bites the dust. Um, it's not their worst song, and not even the worst song on Made in Heaven, but it's essentially just a reworked solo song. So it's a thumbs down from me. And um, Ian Ling uh, from Ireland says, I agree, prefer Taylor's version of it, meaning the one he sang. So there's someone saying they prefer Roger's delivery on it. So, yeah. And I think that, um, again, Dita replies that uh, because the Queen version doesn't really add something to the original, it's just a bit more polished and, yeah, polished polished to death. And it's taken, it's actually taken the shine off. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And our friend, my friend, Corey Morissette from, uh, well, many podcasts, but the uh, Van Halen podcast and the podcast will rock says, well, it's no Delilah. So. Yeah. <laughs> And I think maybe my favorite comment from uh, comes from Brian Crozier, a Farago of mediocrity, period, <laughs> at best, at period. Best. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and I would add to having listened to the to, uh, uh, Roger's version, too. It's not like uh, he does a bad job of it. I think Roger's yeah. a great singer. It, it's just, you know, when you got it's just it's Freddie's is just better. That's all. Yeah. Well, again, you're going up against Freddie Mercury. Anytime Freddie sings anything, it's almost always better than you ever sang it before right yeah well imagine imagine being as good a singer as, as roger is and then having freddie in the band because in any other band he'd be the lead singer a hundred percent yeah yeah we got a wheel to spin randy should we spin a wheel instead of gabbing on all night i really think we should kevin i'm not sure why it's taken so long up to the, up until this point well we got to talk about heaven for everyone you know <laughs> um but before we do and I think I'd ask you this offline, and I think you told me, but maybe you can tell us what what are you what are you hoping to listen to tonight, Randy? Have you had enough of the rock and roll? Do you want to go into the, some of the the funk and disco, or what are you thinking? Yeah, well, I was. Uh, what did I say? I said something off a of hot space, and not under pressure. Not under That's, pressure. I don't okay. know why. I, I just that just came to me today. What about you, Kev? Any uh, anything you're kind of hoping for? I'm feeling jazzy. I kind of oh, want yeah. something off jazz, just because there's a lot to talk about on that album. You know, there's there's again there's some production stuff on that album that's 
definitely a little bit divisive in the fandom. Um, there's some fucking great songs on that album. There's a couple of problematic lyrics maybe on the album. There's some stuff that's, mm-hmm. you know, so there's some, there's some meat on the bones of that album. So I think maybe that's what I'll go for. So you're going for Hot Space. I'm going for Jazz. Yep. Okay, I'll give this a couple of shuffles around. Give me a number between one and five. I'm, I'm going to steal another Corey plot format here. Three. One, two, three. We're shuffled. Okay. All right. Why don't you spin that wheel, Kev? Here we go. It lands on. We're getting something. Are you kidding me? Oh, well, Randy, you almost called your shot. You almost got something from Hot Space. You didn't get it, though. Wow. What did you get? Good old-fashioned lover boy from A Day at the Races. Yeah, and it went just past Calling All Girls, which would have been an interesting choice. Now, of course, good old-fashioned lover boy. We both know this song very, very well, I assume. Um, Oh, yeah. We're really, we're really getting the bangers out of the way. At the end of this podcast, we're going to be listening to <laughs> all the shit by the sounds of it. I think probably by the time we get to the end, we're just going to be listening to the miracle start to finish. <laughs> is the way this is fucking going at the moment. So. <laughs> uh, okay, so Randy, good old fashioned yes, little boys. Thought straight out of the gate because obviously, again, we. We're both going to be very, very familiar with this. And a lot of people who are not even, you know, sort of catalog Queen fans will know this one like the back of the hand just because it was on Greatest Hits. It's one of the biggest songs. What are your thoughts? I think it's an absolute banger. And uh, there, there again, and, you know, I actually haven't heard it in quite some time. But to me, it's one of those songs. I mean, I don't think you can, I don't think you could say that you like Queen, but you don't like this song. I think this is one of those ones that, is is definitive uh, to to their style and yeah it hits all it hits all a good it hits all a good notes for me and i'm just looking here andy too i think i mean I'm, i must have this on vinyl like the single because i've got all the original i've got well i've got all the queen singles in a box upstairs that i've got to take to a, clean, a vinyl cleaner actually because i haven't done cleaned yet but but it also says that it's from um it was it basically it was called queen's first ep which I don't remember. Oh, no, I've just pulled it up and looked at the cover. And yeah, I remember that clear as day. And I definitely do have that. So it was Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy and Death on Two Legs on side one and Tenement Funster and White Queen as it began on side B. So that's kind of interesting. Hmm. So you've got on this EP, yep. they've put um, a song from A Day at the Races, song from A Night at the Opera, yep. Tenement Funster, She Heart Attack, White, uh, Death on Two Legs is Night at the Opera, and then Good Old Fashioned Lover Boys Day at the Races. That's kind of an interesting way to do that, like a little, almost like a little chronological thing. Right, yeah. Kind of neat. I'd, I'd never really picked up on that before, I don't think. So at number 17 on the UK charts, Randy. Didn't chart anywhere else, though. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. What was yeah. the biggest hit up that album, Kevin? There was Somebody to Love, of course, hit number two on the well, UK charts. Number two in Belgium, and then number one in the Netherlands, Somebody to Love. But this one, yeah. Kind of surprised it didn't chart anywhere else at all, but it is a very an unusual song. You know, it's not a somebody to love is a pure pop song with some rock elements in it. You know, Time Mother Down, I think, was the second single. That's a full-on rock song. This is more of that sort of end of the pier, campy, you know, old school 1920s British music hall thing. So maybe that's what I don't know, maybe yeah. that's what keeps it out of the charts. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, written by Mr. Freddie Mercury, of course. 
and starting out with piano, some tasty piano, and then uh, just get going. Well, you know what we should do, Randy? Instead of talking about it, we should uh, we should listen to a bit of it, eh? I think we should. I just noticed here too. It says that part of the bridge of the song is sung by Mike Stone. The lines, "Hey boy, yeah. where'd you get it from?" And so Mike Stone was a, uh, I think, an, I think he was the engineer on the album. Yeah, because Queen produced the album. Yeah, um, but I'm pretty sure Mike Stone was the. He was the. He's a recording engineer, or was sorry, recording engineer and a record producer. He worked with Queen, Foreigner, Journey, Asia, White Snake, April Wine, and uh, I'm sure many others. And I wonder, I. Th- now I'd have to go back and double check, but I wonder if he's actually the first non-Queen member to provide any vocals or anything actually on a Queen. Oh, I think he that might be. I'd have to. Like I said, I'd have to go back and double check that, but I can't think of anyone else offhand who That's would have contributed for him. So a Queen album, yeah, yeah. That's a good uh, pub quiz question that no that one would is. ever get right. All right, why don't you spin that sucker? I can dim the lights and sing you songs full of sad things. We can do the tango just for two. I can serenade and gently play on your heartstrings. Be a Valentino just for That vocal intro, man. Holy Christ. Yeah. Just incredible. And... So Ed, when you record, so if someone's going to do that and it's going to be a cold start where you're coming in on the first note, I assume then, Randy, in the studio, they're going to play that note and get it held, stop for a minute, go, and then you go. I would imagine, because unless you've got absolute perfect pitch, which I don't know if Freddie did, maybe he did, just hitting that note dead, cold like that, straight from the goal, would be, I think, would probably be slightly difficult, no? Uh, Yeah, well, yeah, but, uh, but you're right. You could have definitely just, you know, Right before he, right before the click track went, he could have hit the A or whatever. I saw you brought the, the chord chart up. I'm not sure what key it's in, but you know, he could have just brought, you know, hit the A dong, and then, you know, three, four, da, da, you know, uh, ain't no click track, Randy. There ain't no click track. You don't, Queen didn't play to a click track. I don't think Freddie did. No, I think what, cause that's something I've, I'm 95% sure I've heard Brian talking about that in, an interview sometimes saying that he had just such incredible meter that they would just take his guide piano as sort of the essentially as the click track for the for the song when it was a piano song. Hmm. But I, I don't know that for sure. I'll have to double check and verify that. So maybe you know someone in one of the lap pods guys or recovering queen who sort of sit down and faithfully recreate these songs might be able to back me up on that or tell me I'm completely full of shit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I love that John's just sitting on that on the on the kick. Boom, boom, boom. He's just sitting dead on that, you know, the on the one and the three. There's not filling mm-hmm. in or anything. There's nothing else going to just give the song so much space. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. And those harmonies, eh? What about those harmonies? Mm. Absolutely sensational. Yeah. This and again, this album is, you know, they like I said, I think when we did Somebody to Love, they took everything they learned on, you know, and again, Queen Two's huge as well. But that was a band and it's sort of in its infancy and then night at the opera was really where they were given full license to just go nuts with it and i think on day of the races they almost 
pulled it back to just exactly as much as it needed. And then you, yeah. so you get these these beautiful um, arrangements on these songs. And again, Queen produced this album, and it's one of those albums that does not suffer from the lack of a, an external influence, I don't think. Yeah. Turn on my trump, that's because I'm a good old fashioned lover boy. Ooh, let me feel your heart grow faster, faster. Ooh. It's a pretty slick little uh, bass. Did you hear that bass lick in there? I did. I did. I did hear it. Pretty sexy. Uh, he was staying on the staying on the ones and threes, but he's got a little bit in there. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool too. They go verse, chorus, bridge. You know, they yeah. go right away to the bridge, that confounded bridge. I love, I've always loved that diddle ding that little stop the 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 push from from Roger is so so good. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. It's all it's the, the song is just full of earworms, right? I was thinking too. I always when I listen to this, and especially you know since I started playing drums, Freddie's a very rhythmic piano player. You know, and on a song like this, he's really sort of he's, he's got that he's got that swagger, and it's got that little bit of a it's got that swing to it, you know, that sort of complements what, what Roger's playing and sort of guide, it almost guides the whole, it guides the feel of the song rhythmically, the piano. Yeah, absolutely. You're not wrong. So again, you've got a, a, this is another bridge, a different bridge altogether, but I was going to ask you, Randy, and I, I don't know if you use that term in North America, patter. Do you use like fancy patter? Do you, is that a specific thing that you guys use or? No, but I mean, I'm pretty sure I know what it means, but it's just not a term that we use. So what does it mean to you then? In that context, use my fancy patter on the telephone. What does it, what does that mean? Fancy talking, fancy language? Yeah, but more, it's more, patter's more sort of, Banter can be banter, but in this context, usually it's sort of if someone if, if if a guy's got a good patter, he's got good pickup lines, he's got sort of a good way with using uh -huh. language that way, right? So it's I I think I suspect that that's what he's talking about there. But yeah, I was kind of wondering about whether you sure, yeah, well, that makes that. sense. Yeah, good. I didn't understand that connotation. I just assumed it was just yeah, but you know, in the context of the song, you're I'm sure you're totally right. In Canadians, you take our language, you use it, you don't know what it means. You know, you, I think you should pay a language tax, frankly, is what you should do. <laughs> uh, I think we have. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Have. <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's uh, not get into that. That's a heavy subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, but before we hit play, which we should get right back to that, uh, you're probably right. They probably are not playing to a click here. Uh, they're slowing because he's slowing down. I mean, that's not to say that you can't. Yeah, uh, that you can't have a click track slow down and speed up, but uh, it would certainly have been more challenging at this time. And you know what? I don't know exactly when this was recorded. What year? Nineteen seventy-six. So twelfth of July to the twenty-fourth of August, and then the fifth of September to the nineteenth of November. So there were two different sessions. When I'm not with you, think of you always. 
So obviously Queen very famously would always put no keyboards were used or no synthesizers were used on the making of this album or worse to that effect. Yeah. And you can really tell that that's what Brian's doing and that's what the vocal's doing there. Is in, in sort of a modern song, you'd think Heaven for Everyone, that would have been a synth pad or it would have been yep. orchestration or something else, right? But it this song sounds so much cleaner and so much better because it doesn't lean on that kind of stuff. And play, with Brian playing that beautiful... Well, so is he dimming the volume knob on his guitar to get that sort of that sort of not fading exactly, but that effect of bringing in the, the soft attack on the guitar, I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that could be done a number of ways. It could be just done with a fader or he could have, he could have used his volume button too. Yeah. His volume, uh, uh control. His knob. He could have twiddled his knob, Randy. Yeah. I'm sure Brian's twiddled a few knobs. Look, if you can't twiddle your knobs when you're young, when can you twiddle your knobs? That's what I always say. When again, you know, you said like we go straight, they go into the bridge so quickly and then you've got this second bridge and Queen were so good at having these really not, I mean, this isn't like overly complex, but it kind of is in a way too, because for it's two minutes, 54 is the total length of this song. And you've already yeah. got a second bridge in it. I'm going to have a solo. I'm going to come back in. Like it's, it's they're packing a fuck ton of stuff into that really short sort of time space. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that second, uh, the second bridge too is a breakdown too, right? So, you know, they're, they've already tore it apart and now they're going to build it back up. Yeah. Which they did on Somebody to Love. That's what we talked about there too, right? Yep. Hey boy, where'd you get it from? Hey boy, where did you go? I love my passion in the good old fashioned school of love favorite queen solos one of my absolute favorite solos yeah i was just gonna say that's almost the perfect guitar solo really like i mean what like what more would you do to to make it better i mean you, you could you know you could ingve malmstein all over it but that would just <laughs> kind of wreck it right you know and then if you had like that like if you had a like you know like if you had a stevie ray vaughn well that that's not right either as good yeah. as he is so yeah it's almost it's almost well it's the perfect solo for the song i would say without question but uh, it just might be might be one of my favorite guitar solos yeah i'd agree yeah, with you and it's that great call and response right because he's obviously he's playing he's playing two parts he's he's that's broken he's that's two takes obviously he's playing the oh one, yeah that, that really attacky with his with his few his takes picks, yeah a few takes in there so but it's, it's got that that multi-layer to it but it, it's so balanced yeah it's just beautiful it's so melodic and yeah it's so cool well and and just the tone that's just the tone of 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 the solo i just love it it just it yeah it just it makes my Makes my ears happy. Because <laughs> your ear would. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> it might be now. Little ear swing. <laughs> Hashtag ear swing. <laughs> I'm adding that. <laughs> Fuck. At the Ritz, we'll meet at night. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Play the bill, you taste the wine. Oh, sorry if I keep stopping it so much, but I love that. The one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine o'clock. Yeah. Over top of the precisely again, it's that layering these different ideas lyrically and sort of just again, you know, we, we talk about shoehorning and pity and that in the last week, 
But this is something yep. where you're putting in a whole bunch of extra stuff that just seems like, well, of course that fits. Of course that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great lyrics too, by the way. I like those. Driving back in style in my saloon Do quite nicely Just take me back to yours That will be fine Wow. Wow. You know what? You get in, you hit them hard, you hit them low, and you get the (laughs) fuck out. And that's what they did. It's great. We talked about, and I'd sort of commented online about Somebody to Love being maybe one of the perfect pop songs. But goddamn, this one might be, this one might even be on the same album, might even be a better example of how you write a perfect pop song. You could you could make the argument for this as well. I I think you could put a strong strong argument, run it by a set of judges, and let them sort <laughs> it out. But because it's fucking great, let's let's be honest. Yeah, and talking about the lyrics, you know, and it's strong out the gate too. I can dim the lights and sing you songs full of sad things. We can do the tango just for two. I can serenade and play gentle play on your heartstrings. Be a Valentino just for you. like it's just. He had such a great sort of way of being very evocative without being specific, right? You know, he just kind of painting that sort of oral picture and letting you fill in whatever imagery that works for you. Like that's that's such a great trick for a songwriter to have. Yes, you're you're, you're totally right. Of course, he's using his fancy pad on the telephone, which would have been expensive in those days, Randy. That would have been yeah, just like you were saying, Kevin, too. In the in the second, the last chorus, the, all the call and response that Freddie's doing, you know, with himself brilliant i love it it sounds so good yeah so i just i was looking for a because i was talking about how super rhythmic that piano is and again it's got that like really music hall you know kind of big reverby sort of stuff on there so i i I found an isolated track and i think it's sort of a digitally isolated so it's not gonna be perfect but just to listen to a little bit of it just to again just to listen to how punchy it is how he's playing it yeah just super super cool and again like i think i said on on somebody to love like that's not a rock pianist rock pianists do not play piano like that well this one did <laughs> it's because he wasn't a rock pianist never was well i mean apart from seven seasons seven seasons of rye which just uh, maybe that's the exception that proves the rule randy yeah i mean i don't know i would i would argue that uh fred freddie was a rock star for sure and i would but... argue and i would argue that he plays piano in at rock shows it full <laughs> so therefore rock patrons playing rock songs <laughs> just because he just because he can play a little bit of stride piano doesn't make him not a rock piano you know what i mean though you know what i mean well yeah i'm just being difficult yeah. but i i really do love the and uh, you know obviously with the title good old-fashioned lover boy and because it, it does sound like a good old-fashioned song and they're and yeah. they're going for it and they're milking it and you know nailing it well, yeah, dining at the Ritz, driving back inside in my saloon, which is an old, you know, one of the old cabs, the sort of horse-drawn carriage things, and yeah, 
you know, yeah, it's got all that sort of, it's really sort of leaning into that nostalgia of the 20s, swinging, you know, the, was it, not the swinging 60s, what was the 20s? The Roaring 20s, was it, or something? Yeah, Roaring 20s, yeah. So it's got that kind of feel to it, right? So, yeah. Let's have a quick listen. I'll just, I'll pull up the isolated vocal here and see if this is actually isolated. Let's have a quick listen to this. I can dim the lights and sing you songs full of sad things. We can do the tango just for two. I can serenade and gently play on your heartstrings. Be a Valentino. Yeah, just again. Very cool. And yeah, Brian's kind of emulating the uh, a, a violin, hey? A violin yeah. part. Uh, and uh, I think maybe you had mentioned this before we started here, Kev, too, but uh, some pretty nice, pretty nice chords in the song, pretty nice, pretty nice movements and exchanges between the bridges and, and whatnot. You know, they haven't reinvented any, they haven't invented any chords or anything, but I've noticed there's, you know, some nice diminished chords and yeah, you certainly don't get much of that these days in the way of variation of, of chordal arrangements. No, well, I mean, listen to Rick Beato's, you know, listen to his YouTube channel and he, he says exactly the same thing. There's the, the sort of the art of writing songs is really sort of dumbed down to the point where yeah, it's so formulated now. But this song, yeah, I mean, it goes in so many different directions. The the, the chord progression, the verses, the first and second verse is, you know, or the verse and chorus is fairly straight. Yeah. But then you can start getting to those bridges and these other sections and it just goes off the just goes off the road, right? Yeah, well, at the end of the day, the whole thing's in C by the looks of things. Yeah, it's all those nice passing chords that make it sound nice and, uh, and you know, add a little expensive texture to the. We, we, we always call we always call C the people's key. <laughs> so, uh, so they add some nice texture to the to the people's key. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with C. It's a great song. If you're a keyboard player, if you're a pianist, it's a very good key to write songs in. Yeah, not always necessarily a good one to sing in, but. There was a uh, there was a, a a pianist in town who shall remain nameless that would would just, <laughs> would just play everything in C, and then just transpose his keyboard all night <laughs> so he didn't have to play in any other fucking key. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I don't know if you can. <laughs> that's just, that's taking cheating to the uh, to the extreme, I think. Well, it's just kind of fucking lazy. Oh, what happened there? That was weird. Oh, I think I must have clicked on a a chord on the. I think I clicked on a chord on the um on the tab and I think it actually played it. Let's 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 try it again, Randy. I'll play I'll play a chord and see if you seen you can identify the chord. Yep, that's a chord. <laughs> Correct. Well done, sir. <laughs> well, very well done. Uh, well, I mean, I you know, I think we've I think we've kind of gone over that now. I, it, to me it's it's a it's almost like a very gentle naive sort of song in some ways right where it's you know you, you, a lot of songs about love and relationships in rock and roll are very you know masculine and very sort of full-on but this one's a lot almost like that sort of throwback to oh may i take your hand my lady and then all this kind of stuff and it's got a very sort of gentle ambiance to it which i love which is super cool like he's going to take his overcoat off and put it mm -hmm. over the puddle so that yeah it does it does yeah it i mean i'm sure they were going for that Oh yeah, uh, and, and to me, they they nailed it. And you know, Randy, there were better times before the internet and before you know things like medicine and you know um, voting rights for women and all these kind of. They were they were gen they were simpler times. They were much simpler times. <laughs> <laughs> There's only two things that scare Kevin. 
women getting voting rights and <laughs> no, cut that. Don't put that in. <laughs> and the and the Dutch. <laughs> and they get the Dutch. The Hollish. Those, those lowlanders. I don't trust those lowlanders. <laughs> uh, There's nothing about that song I don't love. I love every single fucking second of that song, and I always have done. It's one yeah. of those songs that actually that I can, I can just listen to it all, over and over again. And yes, well, let's get into well, let's let's do the vote first, and then we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, maybe. So, Kevin, I think this might be a foregone conclusion, but I got to ask you because that's the entire purpose of this show. Does this one bite the dust? Or is it a champion? It's a ridiculous question that I almost don't want to grace with an answer, but... And I do have both sound bites open, Randy. I have another one bites the dust, and I have We Are The Champions open. I have my mouse hovering over one, not the other, but I will ask you anyway, for you... Is the schmaltz of this one a little bit too much? Is it a bit too short, maybe, for you, even though you like short songs? Or, obviously, is this one of the champions? So I think the the schmaltz level is just right. And... uh... You know, it's one of those songs for me that... And again, you know, you, you sort of... When you look back on your childhood and when you go back into nostalgia it's sometimes difficult to separate what really happened what you really felt from what you project back onto those times but I always think of this song as one of those that really captured me because again it was just one of those songs that was completely different Seaside Rendezvous was another one Was it, it's, it's got that real and it was very very English it's a very English sounding song you know like an American band would not write this song and so I always kind of gravitated towards this song for that reason. And plus, it's just fucking brilliant. I mean, Freddie's vocal's superb. The piano's great. Everything else just sits in and doesn't get in the way. It's just, it's a great song all around. I had never considered the idea that another band that couldn't write that from another country. That's interesting that you say that and, and think that uh, it never crossed my mind. But I, I, for me, this song, it's just one of those songs I, I, I don't tire of. I could just listen to it again and again. I think there's just always something... Uh, it's so you know i think the mark of a really a great song that's well produced and well sang and well everything is is you get repeated listens out of it do you know what i mean yeah. and and so you're always get garnering other little tidbits of of information and 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 little new things and or or, or appreciate what you know what what you're already well aware of and and you know i i've i've sang my lungs out to the song a few mm-hmm. times so yeah man great great song yeah, like that little, there's a little triangle. I think it's like a little triangle hit, right? At the end of one, two, three, four, five, seven. Let's just, I'll find that real quick. And there's, because I'm sure there's like a little yeah. triangle hit at the end. So I think there is, yeah. It's just those little details, right? Those, I, I, I love that stuff when bands do that. And you hear the little, the little clops of something they're using. It sounds like a, Sounds like a half shell or something that's on all of those beats. Sounds like a horse hoof. Okay, let's listen to it again then. I can exactly. catch that, so let me listen again. And it's panning. Each, each, it, it, clop, yep. clip, clop, clip. Yeah, that's yep. so clever. Yeah, so, hey? yeah, I mean, like, you know, that's 
that's what I'm saying. That's the kind of thing that maybe the first time you didn't hear it. You know? Yeah. And then, but then on subsequent listens, you're like, oh, fuck, that's cool. And then as somebody who, you know, you know, produces albums and stuff, that's, you know, that's the kind of, the kind of stuff you could take to the bank. That's the sauce you add on afterwards, right? That's the stuff that's like that's the, right. you know. Yeah. Just stuff in your arsenal, you know, little things like that. And you pick it up from great bands and great producers like these. When I can't remember if I mentioned this before, but, on um i don't know if i told you this randy i do another po uh, podcast it's called the tom petty project where i talk about tom petty's catalog well yes kevin i was well well aware of the fact that you do a, a podcast all about tom petty and uh, i think it's uh, going quite well for you and i know you love love tom it's going well but what i was going to say i'm going to tie this back in is that when you talk about the, the triangle that little triangle thing and with the clip clock clip clock when tom petty was recording wildflowers they have the, you know, they have the big whiteboard up to to chart out what they've done. So it's got, you know, guitar, rhythm guitar, lead guitar, vocals, backing vocals. You've got all the different things, which ones are done, which ones are draft, which ones need to be redone, all this kind of stuff. And then they added a, a last column, which um, their Bugs Wydell, who was kind of their, well, it was Tom's PA, his driver, his roadie, and sort of a an assistant engineer, all this kind of stuff, and had this column where it, was, it said, fuck shit up. And that was the column where they'd do things like this, where they'd say, okay, well, now we've done all this. Is there anything else that we can add in or take out just to really sort of punch that up to the next level? And that's one of those things that you think that they're listening in the booth, they've gone through and they thought, you know, it would sound really cool there. Yeah. Because you've got that line, driving back in style in my saloon will do quite nicely. Well, why don't we presage that in the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine with these with these little clip clops? Yeah. I guess yeah, cool. the saloon. It could be a horse, a horse clip clop. They could be emulating. I'm not exactly sure, but well, that's what a saloon is. Yeah, the saloon is like it's a it's oh, a horse-drawn nice. carriage, right? So it's a hundred percent what they're doing. Which again, I'd never picked up on that. And I oh, a saloon is a horse-drawn carriage. You're telling me isn't a saloon where you drink? It is, but it's also um, I'm just gonna bring it up here. Let me. Yeah, a a sedan or a saloon. British English is a passenger car. There we go. In a three box configuration with separate compartments for an engine passer, but there's yeah, so they're horse drawn as well though at some point. So there we go then. Yeah, that's so what we that... call a sedan. Okay, there we go. North America, yeah. But you know, you, you say potato, we say potato. You know, that's right. We say potato, and you say potato, and nobody says fucking potato. It's fucking potatoes, <laughs> anyhow. But uh, anytime, if I would have heard, and when I heard saloon, I would not have thought that. I would have thought. I would have thought. A, a bar well so that so that line then that line wouldn't have made sense then right really to a north american ear driving back in style in my saloon will do quite nicely that it's it yep. would be a bit weird like it sounds a bit yeah then right it does but you know that was also i don't know 16 year old randy listening i wasn't really yeah i wasn't really going too deep into the not, lyrics and not, not the man of the world that you are now obviously you know I was definitely listening to Brian's guitar, probably primarily. <laughs> and why not? Because it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. All right. Well, I think Randy, we've beaten this one into a bloody pulp, and we can, you know, we can we can let it be now and let the the nurses you... revive it for the next listener. Can we leave these poor people alone? I think we could drag this out for at least another half hour if we really wanted to, <laughs> but I think probably we shouldn't do that. So, <laughs> so why don't we? Give the final word on good old-fashioned lover boy, as we always do, to the man who wrote it, Mr. Freddie Mercury. Thanks for listening. Good night, folks.
tuned. Brand new angle, highly commendable. Seaside Park Review. Seaside Park Review. Give us a kiss. Seaside Park Review. I'm not giving you a kiss. I'm just a musical prostitute, my dear.